You are listening to Right Off The Bus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 44 of Right Off The Bus. I'm Chandler Hutchison. That's my co-host, Pat Mahoney. And Pat, we are reporting live from this nor'easter up here yeah. in in it's New real. England and in, in Massachusetts, man. Thursday, October 28th, we've been dealing with a storm for, for two days now at this mm. point. Like, I mean, this yeah, is, it's this been is long ridiculous. Going. I know we got more rain coming Thursday and Friday, maybe not Thursday, but Friday. And uh, yeah, there's been bad weather everywhere. But I tell you what, I feel like that Colts Niners game was like nothing <laughs> in comparison to what we have. I, their wins were crazy in that game. But uh, yeah, we, we got hit with some crazy storms out here and the East got hit. I think even harder than uh, Western Mass. Yeah, dude. And you see like you see the videos of New York City and like places like that from a couple days ago. This is unbelievable. People's houses are flooded, just torn apart. I mean, this is this is sad. It's been crazy, man. I mean, I cleared a 15, 20 foot tree from my yard earlier. Like there's yeah. one of my neighbors tree on his car in the street. Like it's it's been terrible. Yeah, they were telling people not to commute this morning. Like I was reading an article yeah. on the news, and I think mostly for Eastern Mass, but a bunch of people were out of power and they were like, Yeah, it's not safe to commute in the morning, which mm-hmm. I guess was nice for all the remote workers out there. But going to work, my- I going to work in Western Mass was fine. I don't know about out there, but my mom's like, I got a Jeep. I got no problem. And she's telling me like <laughs> how, right. how so many people are saying they can't, they can't get out to work. And I'm like, this is New England, baby. We got, yeah. this is, this is what we're built for. Over here. <laughs> yeah. We get, we, <laughs> Hey, no matter what you show up, you show up if you're from New England. And I, my first car was a Jeep. I loved it. I miss it. But uh, yeah, it's not driving over branches and down power lines. Oof. No, no, it is not. But man, it's episode 44. We didn't say it, but we got two today, Pat. We got Hank Aaron, number 44, the the real home run king. Let's be honest. I mean, but I, I don't consider Barry Bonds yeah. the home run king. I consider Hank Aaron, I believe, at 714, if I'm not wrong on that. But we got Hank Aaron. We got Pistol Pete Maravich, too. Two of the greatest yeah. 44s ever out there. Yeah, we love those guys. And uh, <laughs> yeah, the um, with Hank Aaron, it's like. He, I, I don't know. He's my home run king. Mm-hmm. And at one point we thought a rod when I was growing up, I thought a rod was going to pass it. And then he just, then, I don't know. I, I think I was too young. I was too naive to the steroid thing. And then like grew up and he was on the Yankees. He went from the Rangers to the Yankees. And I was mm-hmm. like, I really don't like this guy. So I really don't want him to hit that record. And then he ended up having a pretty steep decline yeah. during his tenure <laughs> with the Yankees. And he was still getting paid for a while, but yeah, all the love to pistol P too. Man, Pistol Pete, one of the most underrated college players ever, Pat, was not allowed to play on the varsity team at LSU when he was a freshman because freshmen weren't allowed to play varsity in NCAA at the time. So not even counting his freshman year, dude averaged 44 points a game in his three years at LSU playing varsity with no three-point line. And this guy was the best shooter out there. That's the biggest (laughs) note of it. There's no three-point line. It's one of the most dominant careers in college ever, LSU basketball. So shout out number 44, Pistol Pete there too. Absolute legend of the game. 100%. And before we move on to headlines, I do have to give my love to uh, Tracy Mm -hmm. McGrady. I have his number one Magic jersey on right now. My man got snubbed from the top 75 list in the NBA. (laughs) So giving love to another NBA guy. And I know this isn't even his Rockets jersey, which is what he's more known for, but you know, we got we got the throwback magic jersey. This is from when I was like seven. So love to love to Tracy McGrady. 
absolute legend. Don't know if I'd have him in that top 75. Oh, you got snubbed. You got snubbed. Oh, we should have we should have talked about it, but I know. Give me a couple snubs because I mean Dwight Howard. Yeah, maybe like I have those guys. I got McGrady over Dwight Howard, I think. (laughs) To be honest, defensive player of the year. You gotta look up the stats. My man won multiple scoring titles. I don't think he ever won a title, but besides that, I guess Dwight is an NBA champion, I guess you could say. So it's kind of tough for uh kind of tough for Pe- T-Mac. People forget Dwight was the best big in basketball for he was. six or seven or Dude, eight straight I th- years. I think Dwight should be on that list too. Like he's a big mm. snub for me, but I still got T-Mac above him. Yeah, and honestly, if we're gonna actually do it, let's take away some of the guys from the 50s and the 60s, like yeah, like Hal Greer. And I'm like I love Bob Cousy and John Havlicek, but they couldn't dribble with their left hand, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's a mu- yeah, it's a much different ball game now. If we're talking real, real <laughs> skills, Clay Thompson should be on there. It's like all these guys, they're disrespected. But I get that they got to have the throwback guys in there because yeah. most of the people probably doing the rankings grew up with mm. those other guys, you know, not with uh, not with LeBron and Dwight Howard and whoever else. Definitely got to give some respect to all the legends, including T-Mac, man. I won't give any more slander (laughs) on him. But, Pat, let's get into the headlines real quick. Starting off, unfortunately, our Red Sox, they did not make it to the World Series. Lost to the Astros in Houston, four games to two. So, we got the Braves visiting the Astros for the first couple games here. And the Braves take game one, Pat. And, I mean, I didn't know about this until today, but why don't you talk about Charlie Morton real quick? Yeah, and they don't know when it happened. They really don't. But Charlie Morton was pitching on a broken leg, and I think he threw like 16 pitches, and he just apologized to the Braves fans because he said, I'm sorry it wasn't more. Like, he's like, I could have gone farther, you know. I could have – like, we're having throwbacks to, like, the bloody sock game, you know, for the Red Sox. Like, we really are. So, I was – impressed i don't know how severe the break was but it's pretty impressive at all to be how much like momentum they get off that pivot and using that foot i can't even believe and i saw the clip so you could see him struggling because i didn't watch that part of the game but (laughs) you could see him struggling and clearly wincing the guy has a broken leg it was unbelievable to even throw 16 pitches who says baseball players aren't tough yeah. Who says baseball players love aren't it. athletes? <laughs> we love yeah, it. Man. We love to see the Braves do well too. You know, we love oh, to see Braves take game one. Without a doubt. I mean, it was huge that they won that first game, certainly rooting for them over the Astros. But I mean, story there's Charlie Morton without a doubt. That's incredible. I mean, like you said, that's Kurt Schilling. That's Willis Reed going out and taking the tip for the Knicks <laughs> in 1971 yeah. on a broken leg. I mean, that it really is inspiring, and hopefully the team can continue to rally around that. Yeah, whew, I'm thinking man, about the, the Kobe free throw, too. What was after he mm-hmm. tore, like, his ACL or something? His Dude. Achilles, yeah. Was it, that's what it was, Achilles. 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 Even I, two that's free throws. Even worse for me. That's disgusting. <laughs> Ripping your Achilles. Ooh. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of – a lot of uh, I don't know. Just a lot of great performances from top athletes here. Without a doubt, man. And a performance that got a little bit stalled in the end, Pat. Why don't you take us through this NCAA football game, Illinois, Penn State, and I couldn't believe it, nine overtimes. No, I couldn't either. I was out to eat, and I was looking at it, and I was like, is, I was like, is that right? Like, am I seeing that right? Most overtimes, <laughs> in, or uh, yeah, most overtimes and just longest game in general in FPS history. And Illinois, they, I think they were 1-5 to beat Penn State, who was the number seven ranked. So it's not even like it was an upset. But Illinois was a complete underdog. I mean, they had no business in this game with Penn State. And 
through this many overtimes, the longest game in FBS history, you'd expect, especially in the college realm, for it to be like 70 to 60 or something because there's no <laughs> defense in college football. All you ever see is high-scoring games most of the time. Uh, but Illinois won 20 to 18. It was the final score, 20 to 18 after nine overtimes, which you just would not expect. Do we need to implement a tie rule? Like, I mean, Yeah, at we, that point, like, sorry. <laughs> I don't think, you know, it's like tennis matches. It's like, you don't know how long the thing is going to be, but typically in football, you know how long it's going to be, especially in the NFL where it's like, yeah, they go one overtime and there are ties. So we should probably have that in the FBS. I'm thinking. Yeah, no, but I mean, this is pretty cool. And obviously a game that no Illinois player coach fan will ever forget. I mean, this is a monumental win for a team. Not very good taking down a powerhouse like Penn state, man. This is, Nine overtimes, nine yeah, overtimes. Yeah. It was worth it was worth the voice crack there, man. I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> that win will be worth their whole season because I don't think it's going to go very far uphill from there. But hey, that made Illinois' entire year and probably ruined Penn State's entire year because uh, undefeated, number seven overall. It's like they were looking good. If they got this done, they might have moved up the rankings. But I don't know. In the college football world, typically not everything can or not anything can happen, but. In this scenario, I mean, definitely shocking. I absolutely agree. And moving on to the NFL path, the Dolphins and Panthers seem like the leaders for Deshaun Watson ahead of the trade deadline, which is coming up. Broncos kind of sitting there as an outlier, but uh, apparently the Panthers are kind of out of these talks. Uh, you know, they, they've said that they're not going to make the move. I mean, they wanted some stipulations based on all the legal stuff going on with Deshaun Watson, which they just couldn't agree to, but it is important to remember Deshaun Watson has a no trade clause. So it seems like Miami is kind of that last spot where he could move potentially before the deadline. And Pat, you have it in here a little bit later, but I mean, why are we not giving love to Tua? Like why, why are we, why are we running away from Tua right now? If we're a Miami Dolphins fan. Yeah, if you're a Dolphins fan, I don't even understand that. I mean, they've been looking for a young quarterback to play anywhere close to this for a long time, and they finally have it, but still in the trade realm for Deshaun Watson. And with the Panthers, it's amazing how far we've come to get to this point because you trade for Sam Darnold, and I was like, that's a promising move. And then they start 3-0, and and I'm like, oh, even better. They look great. And they've, <laughs> they've since lost four straight. Darnold looked horrible last week, and now all of a sudden he's in trade rumors to go to uh, go to the Texans for a guy who has like 20-something, you know, sexual assault allegations against them. That's a tough look. But, uh, yeah, the Panthers are out of the race, so I'm glad they're keeping a little bit of faith in Sam Darnold. I'm not sure who the backup over there is, but I hope they don't have to enlist him. P.J. Walker, former XFL, first XFL quarterback sign. It is a bad quarterback situation in in uh carolina right now man but yeah we're still waiting to see what happens with deshaun watson i don't think he's gonna get moved before the deadline he's still on their active roster but with the texans real quick they just trade away mark ingram brandon cook's not happy saying this is bullshit i mean the texans they're gonna be moving some people so i will not be surprised if deshaun watson is moved like in a crazy last second deal but i mean i don't know if we can really have any expectation for it I'm hoping it, I'm hoping to see some big moves because the trade deadline's coming soon. I'm hoping we see something. The Mark Ingram mm-hmm. one makes me happy because it's about to be Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara again, which was the recipe for success in New Orleans. And they're getting Mike Thomas back. So regardless of not having Drew Brees, most of the gang is going to be back together. 
Yeah, no, they're, they are definitely getting some of those pieces back. Moving to the MLS, Pat. Revs win the MLS Supporter Shield, which is the first trophy. I don't know if we can call it a trophy, uh, but for the <laughs> first one for the club, more of an award. This team is 0-5 in MLS Cups, so we need to go win it, Pat. Yeah. But this means we got the most points out of the season out of any team. This means we were the best regular season team which it's a pretty big deal in MLS, especially when you look at how many teams there are. There's 27 teams going on 30 over the next couple of years. So the fact the Revs had their best season ever, I'm glad it's highlighted in some way, even if it's not, you know, a legit trophy yet. Yet it's coming. Yeah, we got some sort of hardware, right? We got, you know, we got something and it's not an MLS cup. Like when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's great. But also at the same time, I wasn't that excited. I'll be really excited if they win MLS cup, but that's a whole different story. But uh, yeah, good for the team. It's a good win for the Revs in general. We needed that. And now we just need the, you know, we need our own stadium too. We can't be sharing <laughs> Gillette with the Patriots. I absolutely agree with you there. One more quick soccer headline. It's breaking news for us, Pat. Ronald Koeman, out as Barcelona's manager. Are you surprised by that at all? <laughs> well, I was telling you off air too. I saw the Instagram, this Instagram post from a, a big soccer account on Instagram. And it was like, who's on the bigger hot seat? And it was Ole, the manager of Manchester United, or it was Ronald Koeman, the manager of Barcelona. And my vote was, was for Koeman. But when I obviously clicked on the vote thing, found out that like 70% voted for uh, Ole Solskjaer from Man U. But hey, I'm proven right, I guess, because Ronald, uh, <laughs> Ronald got canned. And you just, yeah, there's no room for error. I mean, it's Man U too, but Barcelona, I don't know. That's like, it's just such a global brand. It's unbelievable. They've lost like the last six Clasicos to Real Madrid. It just, that's just not going to fly. They are ninth in the Liga right now. That's tough. Ninth. I mean, yep. yeah, there's no excuse. Does not surprise me that Coma gets fired. Kind of feel like if Serginho Dest doesn't bum that little chance in El Clasico, maybe Coleman keeps his job ahead of the For a little while longer, weekend. right? Not just yeah. like mid-season. Yeah, it's, <laughs> the mid-season firings are always tough early in the year too which which is which is definitely tough, <laughs> very but. early pat we got two basketball headlines before we jump into the nba a little bit ben simmons we got to keep up with the drama here let's 76ers know that he's not mentally ready to return to the lineup and play with the team any reaction there from you i could have told you that one i mean it's, <laughs> it's like it's seemed that way the entire time it seemed even though if even if he did get traded, it seemed like he was going to take a while to get reacclimated to the NBA and training. And I don't know, just being the usual Ben Simmons that we're used to outside of the jumper. But like, if he went somewhere else, I think it would have been along the same lines. Obviously it would have been happier, but he's coming back. He goes into practice. He's getting thrown out of practice. He's practicing with his phone in his pocket. He doesn't want to do defensive drills. Like no, you know, over the last headlines we've talked about over the last two weeks, it's like it's no wonder. It's no wonder that he doesn't want to play. And that's good for him that he'll take the time and get mentally ready to play. And hopefully, you know, Tobias Harris was supporting him. I a little different than Joel Embiid, but <laughs> for Tobias Harris to say what he said in support of Ben Simmons, it's a good sign that maybe like he can come back and finish out the season with them. I don't know how long he's gonna take to come back and play, but Maybe he'll get traded closer on to the trade deadline down the road. But for now, it's looking like he's on the team at least. And we'll see how it plays out. We've said it time and time again, but neither the Sixers nor Ben Simmons are doing a good job of moving on from the situation. Like Ben Simmons sitting out and not playing and needing to take time to get back to being able to play in the NBA. It's not going to get you moved. It's not going to get you traded. 
Mm-hmm. The 76ers players and coaches aren't saying great things about Ben. It's just <laughs> such a weird situation. And this is just another thing, another wrench that gets thrown into it where I'm like, okay, so it's going to be even longer before he gets traded. <laughs> yeah. If this guy is not playing basketball, why would someone take the chance on him? It's like Kyrie Irving. He's not able to point. play right now. So why would you take a chance? It's this just confuses me week after week, Pat. I, I really don't it know is. what to think about. It's, it a, it's a reality show. I mean, we're not getting the inside camera looks, but it's a reality show. Nonetheless, that we get through the headlines. Mm. All right. Last headline here, Pat Mello passes Moses Malone for ninth all time on the NBA scoring list. Congrats to Carmelo Anthony. What's, what's your reaction to that ninth all time? I know I was watching get up too. They were talking about, you know, is Mello going to rewrite his legacy with the Lakers? And I think, I mean, based on that, like he was already an all time great. It's just tough with the kind of the, I don't know, just the way that fans, especially younger fans have grown up, like thinking of mellow. It's like, they don't remember like Denver nuggets, mellow, even just prime mm. Knicks mellow too. It's like back on the, in those days that he was unreal. And uh, just the way it's gone recently for him with a stint on the blazers and then the rockets. And I forget where else he ended up now for him to come to the Lakers too and have games like he's having, I mean, in their, in the Lakers first win, I was going to get to the stat line later, but he had 28 points on 10 for 15 shooting six, six for eight from three. I mean, the guy's rewriting his legacy. So I'm uh, I'm very happy for him. And I hope, I don't hope the Lakers win, but if the Lakers do win the championship, it would be nice to see Melo get a ring. Mm, yeah. Melo is one of those guys right at the top of the list of, you know, superstars that you want to get a ring, right? Like, yeah, that's what he want- needs. You want CP to win a ring. You want Melo to win a ring. You want Charles Barkley and John Stockton to have rings, like the that final career piece that they just never got. And mm-hmm. like Dwight Howard did it with the Lakers, like Melo, I mean, his legacy totally changes if you add NBA championship to that resume. You talked about all the other places he's been. I mean, there's so many fans around the world that love this guy, but he, he was basically blackmailed by the league blacklisted by the league for a year and didn't get to play. Think if he had another thousand points averaging 10 a game for a season, if he had another thousand, he'd be higher up on this list. So Melo's an absolute all time legend. And I am glad that he's getting some love and respect. There's only eight guys that have scored more points than him in the NBA. That's, that's incredible. That is, it is. That's top 10 ever at your job. That's fantastic, man. Yeah. When you hear that status, you hear that stat and it makes you forget about the, you know, the recent years. Oh, without a doubt, man. Now let's go right into his Lakers. Let's talk a little NBA, Pat. So you had it on here. Some of those struggles that we thought could come true with the Lakers. They're kind of coming to fruition. Yeah. We saw this. We saw the scuffle, right? That was the big thing off court in, in the huddle on the sideline. You had AD yep. Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard shoving each other and yelling at each other. I mean, it's, it's good that they're fired up because obviously they're passionate, but you don't want it, you know, on the sideline. Like that should be on the court at the very least. Cause then you can direct it to the other team, but it, it's mm-hmm. just, you know, you give all signs of like self imploding and that was only in game two or three. So it's like, where do they go from here? Hopefully up, but yeah, it was shocking to see that on the bench. But Hey, then they go get their first win and you talked about it. Mello puts up 28 had double digit rebounds. The, F out of here. That's my rebound is back. You know, Mello brought it to LA and he's balling out from three, two, six for eight in that game. Lakers are only two and two, but LeBron misses a game. You know, Russ goes off. AD goes yeah. off for 37. They both have their best games of this young season. And 
I mean, you, you see, you see what's there. The Lakers have a lot of talent on this roster. Yeah. And if they can still get wins while LeBron is, you know, taking the time to take care of himself and rest. And if they can just get wins with Russ and AD, that's even better for them. Cause then they're just going to have guys that are all rested come playoff time and they'll be good to go. Pat, another two and two team, the rivals, our favorite team, the Boston Celtics, weird way to start the season. You know, we get blown out once there's been some good games, but I got to tell you the Celtics team, I, I am feeling good about it. I like they are showing some promise. Dennis Schroeder just had 23 on great efficiency, yeah, having yeah. six assists against the Hornets in an overtime game. Jalen Brown comes out and scores his career high 46 in the first game. Tatum's had a 40 point game. Tatum's been balling out. I mean, for me, Tatum is a top 10 player in the NBA. Like he's he's passed some guys, especially when you look at injuries and some people that aren't playing right now. Like mm-hmm. I think Tatum's absolutely right in the top 10. I think Jalen Brown took another step, which I don't think is something that people were talking about enough this offseason and something I wasn't. We forgot that Jalen Brown's been getting better every single year too. Jalen Brown is going to, is making that move from a top like 30 to 40 player into that top 20, top 25. I mean, he's unbelievable. I haven't seen a guy gain so much skill since his rookie year as I've seen with Jalen Brown. It's been unbelievable what he's done in five or six seasons. And then also the additions to this team look really good. Dennis Schroeder looks awesome. Al Horford looks awesome. Josh Richardson in his limited time has looked good. So I really like the Celtics team so far. I've been watching them. They're playing again tonight as we record this, but I really like what we're seeing from the Celtics team. And I wanted to let you take, take the lead on the Celtics there. Cause I wanted your, you know, mostly your first impressions on the team, but I was really excited about Schroeder cause he, he looked yeah. great. And for the bargain we got him, I'm, I'm pumped that he's on the team. It's like Marcus smart and Schroeder at rotation. There's a question of who's going to be the starter at some point, you know, we're going to have to see how they perform. Obviously they both bring different things to the table, but what we've seen out of Schroeder is awesome. It seems like he's a good compliment to the team. It's good to have Al Horford back too. He's mm. basically like the dad of the team. I feel like and he even <laughs> had the shoes on. He was wearing the shoes in his last game. It was like the generic white with like the dark blue trim Nike, you know, dad lawn yeah. care shoes. So it's good to see Al Horford back on the team as well. Absolutely. And I got to tell you, you're talking about that uh, Schroeder and smart conversation that's been going around for the last couple of days. I love this closing lineup that the Celtics have had where you have uh, Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Smart at the guards on the wing. You have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And then you either have Rob Williams, who's been the best shot blocker in basketball so far this season in the first four games, or you have Al Horford that has made the offense move so much more and you can actually facilitate an offense through a big man. And I got to tell you, I'm really excited about those closing lineups. I think it's going to be really hard to guard and you have five players that I could genuinely consider elite at defense. Dennis Schroeder is a fantastic on-ball defender, super quick hands. Smart is a defensive player of the year candidate, all first and second team all defense. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are both underrated defenders. And then give me Rob Will or Al Horford. Both those guys are menaces on the defensive end, blocking shots. And I love that you can play both those guys 24 to 30 minutes a game, play them with each other, play them without each other. I... I don't think I'm reaching Pat when I say that if Rob Williams stays healthy this season and we get the output we expect from all of our guys, I think the Celtics can legitimately compete for a championship this year. I don't see a reason why with these supporting pieces and how good they can play. If you have Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson, Al Horford off the bench, all playing and firing well, 
you can be as good as anybody if you have Jason Tatum playing the way he can play and Jalen Brown playing the way he can play. Like, I'm really excited about this team. I really am. I am too, and I'm excited about the prospects of uh, Ime Udoka too, a head coach. Yeah. It was nice to see the the locker room after they got their first win. You know, they they showered, they gave him like the shower, and uh, it, it was good. But it was funny that Ime said it took you guys too long to get the first win. Yeah. He's like, it took us too long. You know, I like that mentality, so I I got a uh, high hopes for him, a head coach. That's the Boston mentality right there. Like, like with it. all the sports teams, it's like, there's, there's no excuse. Like you're here and you're here to win. You know, yeah. we got to get after it. Like, hey, we, you know, it reminds me of like Bill Belichick. So we're not celebrating, you know, <laughs> the week six win. It's like, we're not even, not even the cha- AFC championship game. It's like, we're not celebrating until we won the Super Bowl. So I, uh, I like it. At today is Lonzo Ball's 24th birthday, and he is bringing your Bulls, your new team in the East. <laughs> yeah, 4-0. and oh. This is unbelievable. Yeah, they haven't played Bulls the stiff- looking good. Yeah, they haven't played the stiffest competition. I mean, they did play the Pistons twice, who are not great. Uh, they just got off that OT game with the Raptors really close. They beat the Pelicans by 16, so that was good, but regardless of the competition they're facing, hey, they look great. They look poised for that, you know, four, five, six spot that I thought they were going to get at the beginning of the season. Obviously, we're only four games in. That's a lot to say. But Lonzo Ball looks excellent. He uh, And w- what was the stat here? We got first player to, in the NBA to have a triple-double with three different teams. And at first, I thought it just ended there, but it was before turning 24. And when I saw that stat, I was like, Lonzo's only 23. And I remember him at UCLA, but then he came right into the league. So, like, he was still so young. For some reason, I thought he was, like, 26 or 27 now. But, yeah, he just turned 24. He's got so much time ahead of him. And he's only getting better. Yeah. No, he absolutely is. And that this is one thing, and I repeat myself on this show a lot, but I always say, like, just let the young guys play. Let them make mistakes. Like, it's all about situation, fit, development. There's a million things that go into it. Brandon Ingram was a bust, gets traded away from Los Angeles, averages 25 and, and is an all-star. Lonzo just turned 24. He's four or five years away from his prime, and he's a triple-double threat every night. He's 6'6", phenomenal defender, and now Zach Levine, unfortunately, looks like he's going to miss a couple games, a little hamstring issue, I believe. So we'll see if he can step up a little bit offensively scoring the ball, but these bulls look really good and I don't know where I'm going to have them finishing in the East quite yet, but I got to tell you, I mean, there's not too many teams in the East that are better than the bulls. If, if their starting five is playing well, like Vucevic is an all-star in the East Mm -hmm. was an all-star in the East last year before getting traded, like last year, all-star. So is Zach Levine. Lonzo looks good. DeMar looks good. We'll see. You know, I don't know if their bench has that much to offer, but Pat, you you yeah. were right about these bulls, <laughs> mainly just Caruso, but yeah, it's looking good so yeah. far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it absolutely is. Another team that's looking really good. Well, stick in the family with the with the ball families, but Hornets are three and one, and their only loss yeah. is an overtime loss to the Celtics, where Lamella Ball fouls out with twenty five and nine after hitting some really big shots in the fourth quarter. The Hornets are looking like they could be uh, pretty good this season too. They are outside of LaMelo Ball, too. Miles Bridges looks great. Of course, he got dunked on by Jalen yeah. Brown, which was not great. Because <laughs> it was funny because I saw, like, a stat line for Miles Bridges, and I was like, oh, the Hornets, you know, they finally got another guy who can actually mm-hmm. produce, which is awesome because they just – they always have, like, one big name, and they can just never have anything else. It's always tough for the Hornets. But 
Lamelo ball an absolute stun. You see him with that green, you know, like suit after with the trench coat oh. afterwards. That was a good outfit. That was low key a good outfit for him. You know, he <laughs> can pull it off. I, you know, no one like we, me or you could not pull that off. But Lamelo ball certainly can, especially playing like he's playing. And yeah, with an OT loss to the Celtics and as highly as we rate them, that's impressive. I I do agree, man. And. The thing that really stuck out to me with what you're saying is Miles Bridges is kind of taking that step into being, you know, I'm not going to say a second star. Maybe he's a third or fourth best player on a like really good team. But, I mean, he's going to average around 20 points. I think he averaged right around there last season. And I saw someone tweet out, like, poor Gordon Hayward. Somehow he ends up having to play behind Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum he leaves to get his own situation and be a star. And now there's LaMelo ball and miles bridges in front of him. Like Gordon Hayward looked like a non-factor and he was a non-factor in that fourth quarter of that game. And it's like, man, there's just so many good young players in this league. Like a a fantastic guy that can average 18, six and six, like Hayward is just kind of out of the mix, but yeah, LaMelo looks fantastic. I mean, miles bridges looks good. PJ Washington is going to be out there more when he's healthy, but Hornets look like they could uh they could definitely cause a little chaos in the East, I think. Yeah, and if they got Hayward going too, which mm. like you're saying, he was a non-factor. If he was a factor and all these guys can play, then they're gonna be a problem. Now, Pat, moving on to uh the Golden State Warriors. I have been so high on this team and yes. I'm feeling pretty good about it right now. Four and oh. Steph Curry triple double on opening night, 45 and 10 in game two, 25 and a quarter in game three. And I mean, they're four and oh, and guess what? Their number one pick from last year, James Wiseman, second pick in the draft, hasn't played yet this year. Jonathan Kuminga, seventh pick in the draft this year, hasn't played yet. Clay Thompson hasn't played yet. What do you think is going to happen when the Warriors get those three guys back, man? I'm, I'm telling you, I think the Warriors. I think they may be the best team in the NBA. I, I, I think when fully healthy, man, I, I hate that my brain works in 2K overalls, Pat, and I, 2K rates <laughs> yeah. everyone way too high. We're but conditioned. Curry got to be a 95. Clay Thompson is going to be like an 85. You got Wiggins, Igudala, Otto Porter. They're probably all 80s. Draymond Green, 85. James Wiseman, like this team's stacked. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you sim a season, they're probably going to be in the championship game. Yeah. You sim that season in 2K. Like on paper, man, they just look so good. And it's not just on paper. They're 4-0 with good wins. Yeah. And Steph Curry is looking like the unanimous MVP Steph Curry right now. So I'm really excited by this Warriors team. Good to look at with those nice unis too. The throwback yeah. unis they've been wearing, the dark <laughs> blue, nice. the red numbers. Oh, those are nice. And it kind of feels like back to the team that's kind of likable because there's no Kevin Durant, right? Like, yeah, we haven't seen Clay Thompson in over two years, but it's also like, okay, they don't have like a super, super, super team. They just have a lot of really, really solid players and Curry's going out of his mind right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's no, you're right. It's definitely a team you could root for and not be ashamed to root for. Yeah. <laughs> like they don't Katie, Clay, and Steph. So I'm glad it's back to the splash rows and then you know, and it's in company because they got a lot of they got a lot of help too. So it's nice. It's been a really fun start to this young NBA season. I'm looking forward to it uh continuing, man. But we got to get on to some football. Another crazy week, man. I like that kind of each week there's been a theme. 
like there were a couple blowouts last week. There were missed field goals the week beforehand and extra points. Like, yeah, there seems to the be kicker deep. week. Yeah, but there's a pretty constant theme. What about this week, Pat? Mainly, it was honestly the most. At first, I wasn't thinking about it as the blowout week, but I was like, this is the most bizarre week in football because the Ravens get blown out by the Bengals, which the Bengals winning. Okay, I'll give you that. I mean, that's that's okay. That's that can be expected. You know, you might put money on that. Good odds. Any given Sunday. Yeah, anything can happen. But for the Ravens to get blown out like they did, I mean, their defense looks terrible. We've given up, I forget, over like 400 passing yards multiple times this season i think in a row too i mean our defense has just not looked great the offense has us figured out and lamar can only do so much you know it's like he can he can make magic happen with the ball but if our defense it can't make a stop it's like what are we gonna do you know what are the ravens gonna do and when you face a team like the Bengals, who are hot jamar chase looks like not only the best like rookie in football he looks like one of the top three receivers in football altogether so you run into a team like the Bengals, yeah, it's to be expected when uh, when you play like that. They got to figure out the secondary. That's a big problem. But, yeah, it was a big week of blowouts. I was getting into our first matchup. But, yeah, you got 50s across, you know, multiple 50-point games. Yeah. You got the Chiefs. You got, I mean, you got the Texans who are just terrible. Like, you said, I mean, they're imploding. So, it was, it was a bizarre week, just the week of blowouts. It really was, man. And just to get my thoughts on that Ravens game with you, too, I mean, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, where where do we put them right now as a quarterback wide receiver combo in the NFL, Pat? I think I think they're number two. I think Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are the only two people. Like Dak and CD, no. No. Tyree Kill, no. They just scored three points in their game. Travis Kelsey, no. I mean, who else? Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, this is this is unprecedented in what they're doing. Jamar Chase is on track for 18 touchdowns and 1,800 yards. I mean, That's absurd. They, they are absolutely balling out. And, you know, we Crazy. both picked the Ravens last week. And I said, Pat, I think I learned my lesson, uh, you know, picking against the Ravens at Baltimore. The, the offense didn't look great. Defense, I mean, Marlon Humphrey tweeted out after the game, I gave up 200 yards. I got to be better. There's no excuse, you know. Uh, and maybe it's one of those fluke weeks, but the NFL's just been really, really confusing this year. I mean, the Titans lose to the Jets, but then, <laughs> you know, they have a fantastic game against the Bills and go beat the Chiefs. You know, it's like, it's just been, it's been a really, really weird season. So I'm not, I'm not super surprised to see a random blowout like this, but you would think that the Ravens could at least put up the points with the Bengals. You didn't see the Bengals defense being this solid through the season. I mean, through seven weeks, the Bengals are the best team in the AFC. If the season ended today, they would be the number one seed in the in the AFC. It's absolutely yeah, crazy. Yeah, and they've definitely earned it. I mean, they're in probably they're either in the hardest or second most difficult division mm-hmm. in all of football. And yeah, they they're beating the good teams. They're beating the teams they need to beat, and they look great. Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow looks awesome. Joe Burrow looks unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm glad from what happened in his first season with his injury, he is a guy I like to root for. I know he's in my division, but it's tough not to root for him and Jamar Chase now too. So uh, yeah, the, the Bengals look great. The Bengals, I mean, they, yeah, they handed it to the Ravens. It was a tough, it was a tough <laughs> week to pick the Ravens, but Hey, I'm still going to pick them every week. 
Except uh, I can't this week because they're on bye. <laughs> fair. That's that's a fair point. I think though. we need the bye week after that, though. Let's fix it's, on the let's fix the defense while we're uh, while we're on a, a little break here. The the bye came at a good time. It, it really did. It and did. just one last thing I want to say on the Bengals. I was talking to our uh, resident Jets expert Connor Howe, you know, this Sunday or Monday, and we were talking about Jamar Chase and all this going on in Cincinnati. And he said, I got to, you know, formally apologize for ripping them for not taking Panay Sewell with that pick and protecting Joe Burrow with that like young stud left tackle. I need to do the same thing, Pat, because we were sitting up here. I definitely how like how dare you not protect Joe? We were like talking about the memes of his leg. Like, who do you need to take in the draft? And I was like, what is wrong with you taking Jamar Chase like this? He's going to be good, but. There's no way that it's it's you know worth risking Joe Burrow. I mean, they clearly made the right decision. I was very wrong. <laughs> I, was oh, very I mean, wrong. I was right there with you. I definitely <laughs> said they should need an O lineman. It's like why wouldn't they take the best O lineman in football? Who, granted, does look great on the Lions, but yeah, I don't know. The Bengals O line has surprised me because Joe Burrow hasn't been in that much trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's realistically been fine. He has a decent amount of time in the pocket. Definitely enough for now. I mean, they can add pieces later. But for this season, for what I expected them to be, I thought they would need Panay Sewell. So mm. I definitely am eating my words on that one, too. Pat, my Patriots, 54-13 yeah. to 13 the over up. the Jets. I mean, Zach Wilson gets knocked out. Mike White comes in, who's also a rookie quarterback. There's nothing going for the Jets. I mean, they did just trade for Joe Flacco, so maybe he's going to come in and start, even though they're still projecting Mike White to start on Sunday. But I got to tell you, man, this game was more about the Jets than the Patriots. Mac Jones looked awesome. I mean, Kendrick Bourne threw a touchdown. The defense, a couple interceptions. There, there was a lot going on. Good pressure. But this, this was more about the Jets than the Patriots. You have a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson that looked terrible before he got hurt. But then you bring in another rookie. You don't have a vet in that quarterback room. Mm-hmm. You don't have someone to walk these guys through the playbook and you don't have someone to, you know, teach them about being an NFL quarterback and getting into the right routines and what it's like Mac Jones. And I mean, sorry, Brian Hoyer said Mac Jones was texting him at 6 a.m. Every single morning with questions about the playbook. Does that, you think Zach Wilson has that chance in New York? He doesn't, there's no vet, there's no leadership. And I mean, they have a, like a couple good young players on their O-line. Their wide receiver core looks decent. They have a couple decent young cornerbacks. But I said it to Connor Howe, this team reminds me of a team I'm making Madden. I trade away all the guys that are over 29 because they just start going down so fast. I mean, I feel like I feel like the oldest guys on this team are like 27. I feel like they're running a bunch of 22-year-olds out there. Like it's They look so unexperienced. They look lost. And I mean, quite frankly, I feel like the Jets are kind of just doing themselves a disservice. I mean, it's yeah, it, there's nothing going right now. And usually out of those trades in Madden, at least you get, you know, a ton of draft picks in return. So like you're <laughs> right? building toward the future, but I don't think the Jets have any of that. I don't think they really have anything to show for it. They're, you know, rookie QB goes down. They're in an even worse position than they already were. And things were already going so far downhill. 
for Mike White to come in, I think they should just go ahead and start Joe Flacco. He was already at the Jets at one point. He might still know some of the playbook. I don't know how much it's changed since the head coaching change or multiple head coaching changes. But I I think they should just hand the ball to Flacco and see what happens. They got nothing to lose. I don't think they have a diamond in the rough with Mike White. I don't know if he's worth starting, but I could see him coming out. Not a Brady situation. Yeah, I I just don't think so. But I did I did love what they you know people saying like oh asking Bill about running up the score Bill Belichick it's like he's like there you know when I I think he uh, he was talking about you know when I was on the defensive side it's like it's our job to stop them not their job to stop moving the ball. So here, you know, here he is, the head coach. He's in the other side now. He's like, it's their job to stop me. I'm not going to stop moving the ball. I'm not going to break up the flow of my offense. So then he goes out there and drops 54 points, which how can you be mad at that? I think the only person that can be mad at that is the Jets, and they should be mad at themselves because they couldn't stop the ball. Yeah, and also, I mean, the Pats' season high for scoring before this game was like 28. They yeah. scored 31 at halftime. <laughs> 31 i mean it just wasn't even a game it's like what do you want them to do not play the second half come on this is a grown man sport and robert sala knows that you know he said a reporter asked they need a little nip in the butt he's like listen these are pro athletes they're making a king's ransom to play a child's game they know what they need to do you think we're happy about this and he was really real and raw about it which i liked but there's just no positives coming out of that game for the new york jets Nothing, nothing to take away, except that they need an entire culture change, which was already evident. And how about the Chiefs just getting absolutely blown out by the Titans? They score three points and they're three and four, Pat. Three and yeah, four. This was shocking. I believe I picked the Titans last week. So yep. I saw that coming. Let's say I, you know, I was right there. But I did not see it be. I I would have pictured like a one score game, like a yep. thirty four to twenty eight game or something like that. But a team where both or a game where both teams are scoring, not the Chiefs putting up a three spot. Granted, Mahomes did get hurt. I hope he's okay. I think he cleared concussion protocol, but we don't really know. You know, concussions are. I think Matthew Barry was saying on his uh, on their podcast, it's just it's a non-linear injury, and you just don't know what's going to happen. Mm. It's like these things can take a week or they can take two months. So yeah, I've been in people, I've been in school with people who've had concussion symptoms, you know, knock them out of, uh, knock them out of classes for like a month. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but they better hope they get Mahomes back and they really need to get things back on track. And granted the Titans are a really good football team, but we've seen just nothing, but it's just been nothing but problems out of the chiefs this year, which is shocking three and four never would have thought. Yeah. And I mean, their defense is just, in shambles they can't guard anybody their their run defense their pass defense there's just nothing going there there's the offense isn't clicking there's there's so much to talk about there but these titans i mean i want to say that they're legit and i want to say they're real pat but the jets are one in five and they beat the titans in overtime (laughs) and then the titans also are coming off two wins against the Bills and the Chiefs. So I'm having a very hard time distinguishing what's going on <laughs> with this Tennessee Titans Any given team. Sunday. And that's what it is. I, I really I, like I really like what they're doing. And, I mean, obviously I'm always going to root for my boy Mike Vrabel, but these, these Titans, do you think they're legit? Do you think they're a legit title contender this year? Well, if Derrick Henry continues to throw touchdown passes in addition to <laughs> – rushing the t- in addition to rushing the ball in and catching the ball 
for receiving touchdowns. If he could start throwing for touchdowns too, like he did in this game <laughs> against the Chiefs, then yeah, they're definitely legitimate. But outside of that, uh, I think there there's a lot of holes there. AJ Brown's starting to play better, which is a big help. Mm-hmm. They still need Julio to be that next piece. I think if I don't know it. it if the offense can just get on the same page and Tannehill can play consistent, then definitely they're legitimate. But I don't know. I don't know if I have enough faith in Tannehill yet. We've already seen him on this Titans team for a year or two now. And I don't know if I have enough faith in Julio either. Yeah, man, I got to tell you as a Julio Jones fantasy owner, I'm really not confident in Julio Upset. Jones. But Pat, <laughs> you know, I'm watching red zone. And I see Derrick Henry throw this touchdown. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this reminds me of when the Texans started throwing touchdowns to JJ Watt when he was in the MVP conversation as a defensive player. It's like, oh, he caught like three touchdowns. Let's let's put him in. You know, yeah. he's like, he's doing so much more. I'm like, huh, Derrick Henry throws a couple touchdowns. He might actually like get a, like a big <laughs> yeah. boost in that MVP conversation. It's a quarterback <laughs> award. So hey, they, they might just need to start running the wildcat and having them throw passes. Oh man, we we've said it before, but this guy is putting up his high school football stats in the NFL. (laughs) He's he's unbelievable. And they're going to keep rolling as long as he keeps rolling. Like you said, hundred percent. And those Cardinals, like we both predicted, absolutely blowing out the Texans, terrible game for them, but Zach Ertz getting his first touchdown with the Cardinals and Philly fans were happy, man. It was nice to see that uh, Philly was still supporting this guy. I mean, Zach Ertz, definitely a guy you root for, especially on national tight end day. You know, it was uh, nice yeah. to see him. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice see yeah. I mean, he was, he was always loved in Philly. He had so many great years there. He's a great player for them. He had the emotional last game. He gets the touchdown in his last game for the Eagles. Then he comes to the Cardinals and makes an immediate impact. It's like, how can you not be happy for that guy? You know, he's got a, he's got a great wife, a Julie Ertz. Uh, Zach's always been a likable guy. So I'm happy for them, but yeah. To get his first touchdown in already a crowded offense for the Cardinals, I was pumped to see that too and surprised because I mean you got AJ Green, Christian Kirk's been hot, Rondale Moore, DeAndre Hopkins. It's like then you got Chase Edmonds and James Conner too. So for Zachers to get a 46-yard touchdown, I believe that's what the number was. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I was I was pumped for him. And that just seems like a good time for my weekly uh bring Larry Fitzgerald back plug, but the Cardinals are seven and no path. They look incredible, man. We'll see if they can keep it rolling. They're playing green Bay, which we'll talk about a little bit later and everything that's going on with that game. But to continue with this week, seven review, the bucks, I mean, they absolutely destroy the bears, but the story of the game, Tom Brady continuing to just absolutely blow minds 600th career touchdown. Most ever only guy to ever do it. And there are some, there are some pretty crazy stats. My dad was telling me there's nine guys to hit 600 home runs. You know what I mean? Like the, and it was a couple other things in some um, other sports, but the 600 is like a really special number. He's the only guy to ever do this. He might be the only person to ever do this when it's all said and done. Mike Evans goes and gives the ball away to a Bucks fan in the front row, man. Yeah. And I know you got to find the fan and everything, but Fan gives the ball back. He doesn't know the value of that ball, Pat. That thing could have been worth (laughs) half a million, a million dollars. And they're saying he's going to get a thousand dollar gift card to the team store. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It goes goes right back to them. It's like, it's like, oh, nice. So uh, this, this guy gave away a ball that's maybe worth a million dollars for, you know, a couple thousand bucks. Yeah. It was, it was funny to see, but kind of the right thing to do as a fan. Right. I mean, can you say no to Tom? Can you? You, you (laughs) Yeah. He, no, he, 
he seems like a nice guy. Like he knew yeah. that was what he needed to do. He's like, I never had any intention of keeping it. Instead, you know, he just wants to play around a golf with Brady, which I absolutely love. Because if you think about it, I mean, Brady's very good, but that would just be a fun afternoon. But it's fun. I like I saw an Instagram post and it was like, when you catch yourself actually starting to like Tom Brady, it's like as a non-Patriot fan, I feel like this is a real thing. It's like I've actually come to like Tom Brady a lot even when he was still, you know, on the Patriots and I got older, but as he's on the box now, he's just such a likable guy. You see him on the Manning cast. He's ducking questions about Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, he's just funny. Good for him to get a 600th. Yeah. I hope the guy gets around the golf with him. And uh, I believe he got like a Bitcoin from Tom Brady. I think he got a couple <laughs> season passes for the rest of this year in the 2022. So he got some decent things, you know, he, he got some okay prizes and I feel like, he'll be able to sleep better at night knowing he didn't, you know, take it home and sell it on eBay. Especially if he ends up getting to play around a golf with Tom, you 100%. know, especially if that's the case, it'll all be worth it in the end, but all worth hey, it. you just brought up something that pissed me off last year. And I went on a <laughs> rant about this. When did Tom become likable right when he left new England, he started getting yeah. some sunshine started getting a little bit of a tan and everyone started <laughs> loving this guy. Oh, Tom did this Tom. Oh, it's so impressive. Well, I, I was being bullied and harassed for loving yeah. Tom for 20 years by every non-New England fan. And the second he leaves, it's like, oh, my God, the rest of the world <laughs> loves Tom. I'm like, come on, man. When, when did he get so popular? Yeah. Like, and how, how, did, how do you do this? Really, we must be better, too, because honestly, I don't <laughs> even mind the pa- I don't because I don't even mind the Patriots anymore. It's like as long as they're not winning, um, you know, I don't mind the Pats. It's like, yeah, Mac Jones is like, he's great. Like, keep him there. Keep Bill there. Keep the whole game there. I'm happy you guys got Hunter Henry. It's like, I don't mind the Patriots now. Now that you guys aren't winning. <laughs> oh, man. Wacky world. We're just bitter. Every every non-Patriots <laughs> fan is just bitter. And whether they like to admit it or not, it's a fact. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you have the humility to uh, to admit that. <laughs> I, will, I will admit it. And uh, I'm, I'm still a little bit bitter about Tom leaving. So maybe that's why I feel that way. But <laughs> we'll run through the rest of these quick, man. Giants absolutely blow out the Panthers. Another big one. surprise to me. I mean, Sam Darnold gets benched for PJ Walker. And I know those Deshaun Watson rumors were heating up, but it seems like they're staying with Deshaun. I mean, with Sam Darnold at this point, where do the Panthers go from here? Cause you're not getting McCaffrey back for a couple more weeks. I mean, is it PJ Walker? Do you stick with Darnold or do you go sign Cam Newton? I mean, I don't know what the Panthers do. They're kind of in no man's land after starting three and oh, right. This is the, this, I mean, this is the worst loss yet for them because not only does their starting quarterback get benched, they also go under 500. It's like, at least if they could have pulled out a win in this game, they're four and mm. three conversations, a little bit different. Darnold doesn't get benched, but Darnold had a horrible game. He gets benched. You bring in PJ Walker, which is not a good sign. So I hope Darnold can bounce back in the next game because they lost to the Giants who don't have Saquon or Kenny Galladay. It's like they had Daniel Jones, Devontae Booker, and I don't even know that they had Sterling Shepard. Or I think they had Sterling Shepard, but not Kadarius Toney. So they're missing, you know, three or four of their best players. And, uh, yeah, not only did they beat the Panthers, they blew them out. Yeah, no, it was, it was an ugly game, and, I mean, Giants certainly needed that win. Moving to San Francisco, the Colts beat the 49ers. You picked that game, right? I thought the 49ers would do something coming off that bye, but the Colts get the win. And, Pat, I mean, those wins were up to 40 miles an hour. The rain looked absolutely terrible. I, you know, that was one of those games where you watch and you're like, ah, I feel really comfy sitting here in my recliner, laying on the sofa, 
bathrooms a two second walk you know just grab a beer from the fridge i feel nice being here rather than in the stadium yeah watching them try to catch footballs and run footballs you know in the pouring rain and the wind <laughs> and you know all that wind and i i tell you what i bet the under in that game because i was like oh i saw the i saw the weather forecast because of my body i almost bet the over because i always bet the over and then i was like oh I was like, it's going to be rain like that. I was like, they're playing in that kind of weather. I was like, there's no way they're scoring points. Like, there's going to be no passing game. And then Debo Samuel gets seven catches for 100-something yards and a touchdown, and the over hit for sure. And, uh, yeah, they scored a lot more points than I thought. Yeah, and Michael Pittman had that crazy touchdown he went up for, basically mossed that guy and got into the end zone. So I, I was surprised to see the passing game work as well as it did. And uh, even though the Colts didn't have T.Y. Hilton, which I did when I made that pick, I thought they were going to have T.Y. still. But, hey, it didn't make a difference, I guess. That's three wins in a row for the Colts. I mean, yeah, Carson, uh, barring that or outside of that, uh, you know, dumb flick interception Carson Wentz had where he basically just handed it to the guy. Outside of that, he looked great. Michael Pittman looked great. Jonathan Taylor looks awesome the last few weeks. So the Colts are, yeah, they're, they're a decent football team. And I believe in the next two weeks, they're going to get Quentin Nelson, who's the best offensive lineman in football back. And I mean, that makes a world of difference to that team and that offensive line. So Colts are definitely an interesting team to keep an eye on in the AFC. The Lions, man, they made it competitive. I didn't see this coming. They've been competitive in a lot of games. They just can't make it happen. But they moved to 0-7, Pat. They follow the Rams, which everyone, uh, you know, expected. And, you know, the whole the whole conversation with this game is it's the battle of the quarterbacks, but it's like, no, we knew exactly how this was going to go. There was no expectation for Goff to go get a win against his old team here, was there? Not much of a battle, really. No. I mean, they kept it competitive for a while, but the Rams did pull away eventually. And even though it was competitive, I don't think it was ever in doubt that the Rams were going to win this game. I never saw, you know, the Lions were up at one point, and I never thought, well, the Rams aren't going to come back and win this game. They're going to lose. I never thought that. So tough, tough for golf. I feel bad. Tough situation in Detroit. I feel bad for Dan Campbell. I feel awful because I he cares yeah. so much about the Lions, but they just can't get it done. They can't buy a win. So I feel bad for the Lions. I'm happy they're keeping it competitive and not getting blown out at least. I'm happy as a Patriots fan that Matt Stafford wasn't on the Rams a couple of years ago when they only scored three points against us in the Super Bowl. Because if Matt Stafford was there instead of Jared Goff, man, I don't know if the, the Patriots. Yeah, different <laughs> story, maybe. Different Bowl. story. And then maybe Brady yeah. isn't so likable. Yeah. Because <laughs> he might but still Rams... be with the Pats or retired. <laughs> right. But the, but the Rams, I mean, they definitely got a hell of a lot better with this trade. That's clear. They're going to keep it moving. Falcons beat the Dolphins. It was a real close game, but the Dolphins lost, have now lost six in a row. Only one because of that damn Damian Harris fumble on the seven-yard line against the Pats, man. But, I mean, the Falcons, they're getting a little momentum, but the Dolphins continue to be maybe the most disappointing team in the league. They are. In typical Falcons fashion, they almost blew it. Their defense almost blew it. But (laughs) they did get the win, and the Dolphins look – I mean, they look terrible. It's like Tua looks good, but the rest of the team looks terrible. The defense isn't good. I don't know what to make of the Dolphins. I I was so high on them, but – I, I don't know. I think the biggest takeaway for this is the Falcons because Matt Ryan's playing better. The Falcons look a little better too. It's like the offense is starting to work a little bit. It's starting to fit better. Kyle Pitts is starting to emerge, which is the biggest thing for them. So if, you know, if Kyle Pitts can play, 
take some of the attention away from Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage. It's like then Calvin Ridley can actually be a wide receiver one like he's meant to be. Mm. And uh, and Kyle Pitts will still get a ton of passes. It's like we're going to see another potential to see another Travis Kelsey. You know, a couple weeks ago when I continued to pick the Falcons against uh, against my best knowledge, I kept saying the Falcons offense can't be this bad for this long. They can't be. I was just a couple weeks premature with that because their offense is back. Kyle Pitts looks good. Russell Gage. I mean, they have the pieces. Calvin Ridley can do his thing like you were saying. I'm interested to see what the Falcons can do. I mean, hopefully they can get a couple upsets because there's a lot of teams that aren't as good as we thought they were going to be this season. So there's mm-hmm. kind of some room in the middle part of you know these conferences. So be interesting to see what the Falcons can do. But Pat, now time to pick all the games for week eight. Now, quickly, you went 11 and two this week, Pat. You absolutely killed it on the picks. You only got the Ravens and the Panthers picks wrong. You know, the Giants. Well, all right. All right. The Giants and the Bengals getting those wins. That's good. And I only went nine and four. So you take a two game lead. You're 70 and 37. I'm 68 and 39. So we're keeping it close. I'm hoping I can make a little comeback this week. Uh, yeah, those are, those are some good records there. I tell you what, if I wasn't, you know, just. <laughs> blinded by Ravens faith and I didn't bet them I could have seen that the Bengals were going to come in and blow us out <laughs> but uh the Panthers one I would hope them I know they lost three in a row I shouldn't have picked the Panthers but the Giants just had nobody I can't believe I the Giants won but I'm happy the Giants won you know good for them despite all the injuries they got the win yeah yeah no it was a solid win for them Teams on by this week, Pat, your Ravens, those Las Vegas Raiders after a couple good wins from them post John Gruden. Derek Carr threw 90% this in, in the last game. I mean, 91% on his passes, over 30 passes in the game. Unbelievable. So Raiders taking a little rest. Ravens much needed. But we're going right into a Thursday night game. We got the Packers visiting the Cardinals, man. Obviously, I mean, game of the week on a Thursday night. We're getting in early. Packers are 6-1. and one. Cardinals are 7-0. and oh, But no Devontae Adams. No Alan Lazard. The pieces just keep dropping for uh, for these Green Bay Packers. I mean, is Robert Tanyan going to go for 180? Randall Carb going to go for 150? Like, what are these Packers going to do? Yeah, I think – I don't know if Valde Scantling's even back. I think he might be coming back. But otherwise, it's uh, – if Valde Scantling's not back, it's, yeah, Randall Cobb and Robert Tanyan. So, they're going to have to. And I tell you what. I would have, I think I was going to pick the Packers in this game. I think I was going to pick a little bit of an upset, but yeah. I, I don't think I can in good conscience now. Like they don't have Devontae Adams. They don't have Alan Lazard. They have nothing. Uh, and I totally agree with you. I was like, you know what? Like it's not that big of an upset, but you know, on the road, Cardinals are undefeated. Like I would love to pick the Packers, but without all the pieces that they're going to be missing, I got to go with Arizona as well. I mean, they're seven and zero. They're playing at home. They don't have to travel on the short week. And Packers are just missing so many guys. I, it's, it's I, I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to superman them to a win this week. Yeah, and I think the Cardinals might not have J.J. Watt. But even, so, even still, it's like if the Cardinals' defense does let up a ton of points, I think they themselves are going to score a ton of points. So it's, it's just I don't think there's any way the Packers get it done. Moving on to Sunday, Pat, Bengals visiting the Jets. How are we feeling about that one? Well, I, if they give Flacco the ball, maybe I would pick the Jets, right? But not. <laughs> uh, Mike White is going to be at quarterback, at least for part of the game, and uh, until he gets benched for Flacco. But uh, I think we got to go with the Bengals, <laughs> right? They just decimated the Ravens. Got to go Bengals. If the Pats put up 53 and Jamar Chase had 180 yards against the Ravens, 
I mean, what what are the Bengals going to do to this Jets defense? I mean, is Jamar Chase going to have 200 yards? He might. I don't, I don't think there's enough adjustments in the world <laughs> to make coming up against this <laughs> offense from how they did against the Patriots. I just – I don't see how in, you know, seven, six days' time it's how you can <laughs> recover enough. <laughs> Mike White is not the answer. Confirmed here on right off the bus. First report. <laughs> yeah, not quite. <laughs> Now the Titans, can they keep it rolling? They're visiting Indianapolis in the AFC South. I tell you what, I'm going to, the Titans look great. I'm going to pick the Colts. I'm going to go Colts at home. They're hot. They've won, what, three in a row now? Yeah. Uh, Carson Wentz looks better. If T.Y. Hilton plays, even better chances. But, they hey, they did it without T.Y. last week in terrible weather against the Niners. So I'll go Colts. Yeah, I mean, I got to go with the Titans after their last couple wins. I mean, they are absolutely rolling. I don't see any reason why the offense is going to take a step back. Derrick Henry's going to get his. I mean, A.J. Brown's, like you said, finally getting involved, and their defense is rolling. I mean, they just held the Chiefs to three points, right? So absolutely. I, I got to go. I got to go with the Titans here for sure. Then we got the Rams visiting the Texans. How much discussion do we need there, Pat? I don't think much, especially if the uh, the Texans are dealing Mark Ingram, potentially Brandon Cooks. Uh, even even if Tyrod comes back, there's not much there. Mm, yeah, I agree. We're definitely going Rams there. Steelers visiting the Browns in Cleveland. How are we feeling there? This is this is an interesting one. Uh, the Browns. I think they're getting Nick Chubb back. I don't know how much. I don't know how big of a workload he's going to have. I think it's going to be kind of like how they split with Kareem Hunt, but Darius Johnson instead. This is a tough one. I, you know, I think I'm going to take the Browns just being at home. I think I will, but I think the Steelers can make it a game for sure. Yeah. I mean, the Browns should win this game and they kind of need to, they have not been looking great. And I mean, so many injuries, but Baker's going to be back starting. They get a win with case Keenum. They're moving back to the second line, but Pat, I got to tell you, if the Browns don't win this game, I'm, I'm done with them. I, if the Steelers beat them, at home, I'm. I don't think the Browns have any playoff push. I really don't. Yeah. Like people were thought they were going to win the division. People mm-hmm. thought that they were a Super Bowl contender. If the I'm going with the Browns too, but I'm saying it right now. If the Browns don't win this week and they lose to the Steelers team at home, the Brown seasons it's it's done for me. I mean, I don't consider them contenders at this point, and I really don't even think they could upset in a wild card game if if they got to it at this point i mean i'm gonna go browns but this is kind of my last week of uh thinking that they're gonna be winning games that they should be winning yeah realistically i mean the ravens and Bengals <laughs> could run away with the division so the browns gotta win now for sure because then they'll move to five and three and they'll be in the hunt at least but yeah if they lose this game it's gonna be a tough road it's, hey and if the lions lose this game i don't know it's... if they can win a game which i'm going to talk about a little <laughs> bit later on but we got philly visiting detroit pat this is i'm going to talk about it this is their easiest game left on their schedule and i think i i think philly's going to win i don't think the lions can do it uh, but i'm picking philly in detroit pat who who are you going with <laughs> because it's do or die time i'm going to go <laughs> i'm going to go with the lions yeah i, th- okay. I think i think the o has to go. I think it goes now. They were competitive <laughs> last week against the Rams. I just like at home, maybe, maybe they can get it done. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll roll with the Lions. Maybe one final time. I think I've picked them a couple times this year and uh, I've regretted it both times. So I'll roll with them one more time. 
you did pick the Lions in week two against Green Bay because of how bad Green Bay <laughs> was week one. Let's just that's, remember that's that. regrettable. We don't need to. <laughs> I, might Pat, cut, you... I might cut that out of the episode. We, I don't know if we need that. <laughs> hey, uh, clip that real quick. Just, just real quick. But, man, you know how I feel about Philly. You know I don't yeah. have any faith in what this team has going right now, but I think Philly's going to beat Detroit. I think the Lions, unfortunately, go to 0-8. And I mean, we'll talk about this game next week because I'm sure it'll be interesting. But <laughs> then we got the 49ers visiting Chicago. 49ers playing the Bears, Pat. I'm actually going to go Bears here. They they did get, you know, kind of walloped this week. But uh, I, I think I'm going to take the Bears. I just, I don't know. I don't have much faith in the Niners, really. The whole QB thing, it's like mm-hmm. going back and forth between Jimmy G and Trey Lance. Either one of them at QB right now doesn't look great. And no George Kittle still. I just uh, I think the Bears defense will bounce back and I think they'll get it done at home. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers have continued to disappoint me. And I look at these records and I'm like, how are the Bears three and four and the car and the 49ers two and four? It doesn't doesn't seem right. I'm going to pick the 49ers, but I'm kind of feeling the same way with the Browns. This is a team that I thought that could legitimately compete mm-hmm. in their conference to start this year. And this is kind of the last week where I'm like, all right, they're this is a game that I think the 49ers should win. I think they have a better roster and if they don't win this game, they're two and five, their season's pretty much over. I'm going with the 49ers here, but I'm not confident when I say that I'm really not. <laughs> well, I like the different picks at least, you know, we, mm-hmm. we got some different opinions. So chance for you to come back this week. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, you got that two game lead. We're going to see what happens. And the next game, we got the Panthers visiting Atlanta. I'm going to go with the Falcons. Their offense has been moving the last couple of weeks. They had their bye week at the right time. They got the win against the Dolphins and the Jets. They've been playing bad teams. And I mean, there's nothing positive going on for the Panthers right now. So I'm going to go with the team that has Matt Ryan versus the team that has Sam Darnold. That's what it comes down to for me. Yeah, all those question marks in, uh, in Carolina right now. I tell you what, there were way more question marks in Atlanta to start, but yeah. these teams have completely flipped the scripts. I mean, they've literally taken each other's scripts, and now the Falcons are on the upswing, and I'll take the Falcons. Yeah, no, I, I, I see no reason that the Panthers should be winning this game. Miami visiting Buffalo. We know what happened last time they played, Pat, 40-piece. Well, the team I thought was going to be second in their division – is going to move to one and seven after this week. I think they, I, I just don't see them getting it done in Buffalo. I mean, there's no way, right? This is the team I thought they'd be behind in the division. They're definitely going to lose. And uh, yeah, they're going to be one and seven after this week. Man, yeah, I did not see that coming at all. Obviously going with the Bills there. Then we got the Pats visiting the Chargers who are coming off a of bye. I'll let you take this one first. With the Chargers and Patriots? Yep. Uh, Chargers coming off the bye, they're going to be fresh. I know the Pats just had an impressive win, but they are playing at SoFi Stadium, which I guess doesn't mean that much. There might be half Patriots fans there anyways. (laughs) Uh, But at home, I'll still give them a little bit of home field advantage coming off the bye week as well. They, you know, they looked good prior to that Ravens loss. I'm going to go with the Chargers. Yeah, you know how high I am on the Chargers. I think they will win this game, but I'm going to go with the same thing I did with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to pick the Patriots against uh, against what I should be doing. They just scored 50. Mac Jones is ninth in the NFL in passing yards. That's not something I thought that I'd be saying. I mean, he's <laughs> playing really, really well. He's yeah. been by far the best rookie quarterback. The pieces are kind of coming together. Hunter Henry, former Charger, has four touchdowns in the last four weeks. First time a Pats tight end has caught four touchdowns four weeks in a row since Gronk in 2017. 
I, I'm feeling good about the Patriots right now. I'm going to pick them, even though I love what the Chargers are doing, especially coming off a bye. But I'm going to go with the Pats. I think, you know, you look at the game of the Bucks. you look at the game of the Cowboys. I could just go on and on about how they should be winning these close games. They, they got a really good win. I'm hoping the momentum keeps in their favor. And like we say every week, the Pats are a really good three and four team. <laughs> you know, they whatever are. the record is, we're like, they look really good for that. So I'm going to go with the Patriots. Uh, I'm going to go with the underdogs here. You know, All right. It's a homer pick. Well, I'm going to go with the, uh, the underdog in this next matchup as well. And uh, I am going to pick the Jaguars against the Seahawks nice. in Seattle. <laughs> Seattle, yeah. their offense just looked abysmal against the Saints. And I don't know if that had to do with maybe weather or if it was just a great defensive performance by the Saints who are also coming off by. But I do have little faith in Geno Smith after the first couple starts. And the Jaguars looked good in their last win, first win, but then they had the bye, and I think they're going to be fresh. I think they'll come in. I think uh, maybe they've made some adjustments. I think Trevor Lawrence will have a good game. I think Marvin Jones will have a good game, and uh, I think the Jaguars take it. I hate I hate to do the same pick here because it would be fun to have some variation, but I am going to go with the Jags too, man. I mean, I like it. I think, it, I, I think it was Mina Kimes. She's a Seattle fan. She was saying like, Russell Wilson covered as many holes for a team as like anyone possibly could. Like you see Peyton Manning go down for the Colts when he has his neck surgery and they go one in 15 with Dan Orlovsky playing quarterback. It's mm-hmm. like, there's just nothing there outside of Peyton Manning. There's nothing going on in Seattle outside of Russell Wilson. They didn't have a backup plan. They don't have a competent backup quarterback in Geno Smith, even though it's at home in Seattle. I, I like the Jags coming off a bye too. I, I really don't have that much faith in uh in what in what Seattle has going on right now, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll ride with Urban and uh and T Law, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. And then we got the Washington football team visiting Denver. I'm gonna go with the Broncos here. I think I picked the Broncos last week. Uh I, I can't I can't remember, but they were playing the Browns on the short week. I think uh we both picked the Browns last we week. We picked the Browns. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, well, yeah, well, the Broncos didn't get it done. So, uh, I didn't roll with them last week, but I think at home, I, I'll, I'll take the Broncos. I'll give them one more chance. I'm going to go with Washington football. I, I, I like I really do like this team. I actually I picked them to win the division before the year. That was foolish on my part with what <laughs> Dallas has been doing. But I, I like Washington. I mean, the Broncos have lost four in a row. And after Vic Vangio just submitted to John Harbaugh, you know, after yeah. that game and their, their post game drama, downhill. it's been terrible. I mean, the Ravens really did ruin their season. I'm going to go with the Washington football team. Yeah, here. it went downhill. <laughs> I wanted to pick Washington, but hey, I'm glad we got some variation. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Bucks visiting New Orleans, playing the Saints. I mean, it's got to be the Bucks, right? I mean, yeah. This, the Saints have looked decent. They just got Mark Ingram, but it's got to be the Bucks. And I think this will be a better game than many people might think. Saints at home, you know, the, I don't think Mark Ingram is going to make that much of an impact immediately, but it does help, I think, in the long run. Uh, but for the Bucks to lose, I think, would just be shocking. I, I think it'll be a closer game than people think, but the Bucks will win. What about Cowboys visiting Minneapolis, visiting the Vikings? This one, I could see the Vikings pulling upset. I really could see it, but I think I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Mm, Especially Cowboys on a bye. I feel like, you know, they get a little bit healthier. They get that extra week to prep. Definitely. Um, I I definitely like the Cowboys there. And then we got the Giants visiting Arrowhead for the Monday night game. Is there any way, Pat? Is there any way? 
that the Giants <laughs> get it done. I, I tell you what, chance? it's it's if there were any time, it's now. I think Galladay might come back. Saquon's not going to be back, but Devontae Booker looks good. Oh, if there was ever a time, it'd be now. But can we really do it? Can we really pick the Giants? I'm not I, bold I really to want it. to, but I'm not bold <laughs> enough, and yeah. I will be a coward and take the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing. I mean, it's a coward move, but I'll pick the Chiefs. You know, this this is, you know, I'm going to go with the Giants. I'm going to do right. it. I mean, after after watching a couple more Jackson Mahomes videos that have come across my Hot. feet, unfortunately, <laughs> like I don't I don't see this don't downhill think, did we ever slide. Even, did we ever even talk about that? I don't think I don't know Him if we ever did on dancing Sean on Taylor's Sean, Sean Taylor's memorial. Yeah, I can't even. First of all, it was messed up the way that the uh, the way that Washington even retired his jersey on like two days notice. They were like, yeah, you know distract from the uh, Dan Snyder talk. We're going to retire, you know, Sean Taylor's number who obviously the whole tragedy and he was a great player. And uh, that was already kind of an embarrassment to Sean, just to his legacy, to Sean Taylor's legacy. And then we get Jackson Mahomes doing a TikTok dance. And then I just saw him doing the one in the, in the kitchen with his, with Pat, with, uh, you know, with Pat Mahomes. And it's like, it was, uh, the caption was like, Mahomes got to watch his defense drop 40 on him and then go home to this. And it's, uh, yes, yeah, you know, his, his fiance or wife and his little brother doing a TikTok behind him. And, uh, it, it is just, and he looks miserable. Like his head's down. Yeah. He, he looked, yeah. He looked really depressed, which, you know, cause he could have a concussion and his football team's having a tough time. So that's the last thing that we need to deal with and uh for the sake of your brother jackson he doesn't need to deal with that either so based on jackson mahomes tiktoks and concussion protocol for pat mahomes i'm gonna pick the giants all right i'm i'm gonna do it i think it's just like it should be mahomes in prime time it should be him team on my back i'll carry you like i can cover any holes that we have the time is now it's not yeah and it's not the case because i said the time is now two weeks ago pat when they were two and three and it just hasn't happened yet. So I can't believe I'm doing, I'm going to pick the giants just for fun, just for the variation. But I tell you what, but I mean, you have a chance. You definitely got a chance. (laughs) They do. They they without a doubt do, man. Now, fun talking to NFL. We're going to get onto some listener questions. We'll move through these Jimmy McQuaid this week. Who's the most entertaining athlete all time, both on the field and then off the field court ring, whatever Pat and, I, w- I thought about this for a second, but I got to tell you, I went with Deion Sanders. I went with prime time. I thought about the fact that, you know, one went to the U, went to Miami. Oh, no, sorry. No, Florida State, flashiest college at the time. Other than the U, there was that big rivalry. Did it in college. Did it at the pro level, multiple teams. He was he was the best there was. He's the best corner ever. But then also off the field, he went, he played in the MLB. He's, you know, been working for Barstool. He coaches at Jackson State for an HBCU. He's had gigs on Fox. I just love this guy. I think he's electric every time I see him on TV. He did it as a player. He's done it as a media guy. He's doing it as a coach. And I mean, he also did it as a baseball player. So all that wrapped into one. I'm a rock with uh, Deion Sanders for my most entertaining athlete. I tell you what, mine's kind of a tie because I, I was thinking about it and I just... 
not really a tie. There's one clear winner, but I was thinking about it. Not really an athlete, but, uh, but Mike Ditka for some reason has always been so entertaining to me, whether it's like in kicking and screaming or, you know, even so like, good. obviously I wasn't alive when he was coaching the bears, but like you hear about coaching stories and you just see his personality on like the morning NFL shows, even though he's not on them anymore. It was, he's just so entertaining to me, especially growing up. But in terms of athlete entertaining in and out, Conor McGregor for sure yeah. because when I first got into MMA it was like he, you know he was the big deal and he knocks Jose Aldo out and after a whole world tour of trash talk they took the guy on a world tour and his opponent can't even speak English really I mean Jose Aldo obviously speaks Portuguese he's Brazilian he's from Brazil he speaks Portuguese and barely any English they take him on a world tour just so McGregor can you know be the king of trash talk that he is and not only outside of the ring entertainment, he knocks him out in 11 seconds and then so on. He beats Eddie Alvarez to become double champ. And even to this day, it's like after all the controversy, even losses, people still talk about him and he still gives me entertainment. So definitely McGregor is my my pick. McGregor is like on the Mount Rushmore of most entertaining athletes. I mean, he's he has just... To be. He has to dude's be. Dude's an absolute magnet. Yeah, he regardless really of what you might think of him, he has to be on there. Uh, I absolutely agree. Joe Braverman, World Series prediction, Pat. How do we see the seven-game series going? I think I think it's funny because, I mean, even Dodgers fans, Yankees fans, Red Sox fans, three fan bases that don't get along at all, uh, we can all, I think, agree that we want the Braves to win. And yes. after the Braves looking great in game one, I think they're going to get it done. I think the Braves beat the Astros in six games. I was going to give the same prediction. I see the Braves doing it in six games. I love what they're doing right now. It's It kind of reminds you of the Boston team. I said that a little bit a couple of weeks ago. I mean, there's so many young, just absolutely electric players on this team, and it's hard not to root for them. And hopefully, you know, it's part of that next wave of baseball. We need uh, more young people getting into it, it and being fans and being part of the game. So when you see 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds beating their chest, screaming in excitement, it's it's a lot of fun. And I mean, it's good seeing a lot of young faces in the crowd too. It's it's been good, but I'm going I'm going four two Atlanta as well. I love I love what they're doing, man. It's a young team, and I just, I love the energy. I really do. Hundred percent. They almost they feel like a magical team, like a team of destiny. Yeah. And then the Astros are just outside of Houston <laughs> are the absolute villain. So you got to root for the yeah. Braves. The Braves. I mean, the Braves as a franchise, like, what have they ever done to any ever make anyone mad? like chipper jones who one of the most likable players yep. of all time it's like they just uh jason hayward it's like they just have they always have great players they're always such a low-key team so definitely rooting for the braves and i'm picking them i used to love mlb the show and I, like it was like mlb the show 13 with the braves <laughs> yeah. and it had jason hayward bj upton and justin yes. upton as the outfielders i was like oh this is prime time yeah, they, all the upton <laughs> twins too it's like how can you not like the braves Oh, I'm with you, man. Question for Brett. Is this Revs team the best in the short history of the MLS 25 seasons? The answer is no. The, this Revs team has been absolutely incredible, but they haven't played the competition. The East is super weak. And Pat, real quick, for, in terms of wins in the East for, for the conference right now, the Revs have 21 wins. And then 13, 11, 12, 12, 12, 11. In the West, it's just so much better. 17 wins, 15, 16, 14, 13. The West is so much better. They haven't played the competition yet, but they have their chance to prove themselves and compete to be one of the best teams ever by 
winning MLS Cup. If they have the Shield, if they have MLS Cup, I think that they could be in that conversation. Maybe not the best ever, like top five, but unfortunately, they're not yet. Not yet. Yeah, not quite yet. I, I, I'm i right there with you 100% because we talked about, you know, we got hardware, but it's not really the trophy we're after. So mm-hmm. for the Revs, they for the to be in that type of company, they definitely have to win MLS Cup. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree there. Joe Braverman, how will you remember Gerald Green now that he's retired, Pat? And I got to tell you, I mean, there's a million dunks that we can remember, but I'll remember the fact that he did it with nine fingers the whole time. Yeah, it, okay. Like he's <laughs> missing three quarters of a, of one of his fingers and he's one of the greatest dunkers of all like that's crazy <laughs> like, yeah so whenever i think of gerald green whether it's the nets whether it's the celtics whether it's the rock who whatever gerald green you think of i think about the fact he was doing it with one finger less than everybody else that's what i remember <laughs> yeah i think i think of two gerald greens as the celtic and then the t-wolves gerald green oh, because yeah, when yeah. he was on the t-wolves he was also in the slam dunk contest and he did the cupcake slam which is when yeah I, Everyone that's a fan of NBA probably knows this. I mean, the dunk contest used to be so electric back in the day. They really peaked with Dwight Howard and Nate Robinson. But when Gerald Cream blew out the cupcake and I was like nine years old, I was like, this is unbelievable. I mean, it, it was so uh, it was so cool. So that's probably how I'll always remember Gerald Green best is the, the cupcake dunk in the dunk contest. Absolutely electric, man. I love Gerald Green. Question from Brett Stan in the NBA. How important is coaching in the NBA? Is it less important than it was in the past? I personally think, yes, it's all about shooting and individual play. Now, if you have really great one-on-one scores, that's kind of how the game's played. Unfortunately, Steve Kerr is like one of the most winningest coaches ever for the years that he's coached. And Luke Walton went like 34 and 0 stepping in for him for that golden state team. When you have the best players in the world, you can win easier And that's how the NBA is moving. It's not about building teams from the ground up. It's about building super teams and getting star players to come to your city to team up. So because we're in the big three era, the star player era, the $50 million contract era, I think the coaching is a little bit less important. Yeah, hundred percent. Like if you, when we look at college basketball, I think coaching is one of the most important things, but then when I get to the NBA and I just think of like the heat, when I see Eric Spolstra standing in the huddle with LeBron James, Chris, ba- Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, Mario Chalmers, I'm like, this is kind of a joke. I'm like, do they really like, you know, <laughs> you know, they don't need this guy drawing X's and O's really. It's like they could run plays on their own if they really wanted to and if they needed to. So I just I don't think it's that important. And that was a great point with Steve Kerr as well. It's kind of the same mm-hmm. thing. It's like when I see Steve Kerr and then the Splash Bros and then Durant, it's like, you know we don't really need him there yeah how much how much are you doing there steve (laughs) yeah we you know we love coaches especially college ball coaches that's why we're big coach k and roy williams guys but Mm -hmm. once once you get to that top level it's like there's only so much you can do when you have you know you have guys like Giannis and chris Mm -hmm. middleton on your team Oh, dude, we got some college basketball coming back in a couple weeks championship classic duke kentucky two weeks away i'm amped for it yes Paulo Bancaro from Duke. Let's go. But we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Questions from Chris Palmer at Chris Palmer NBA. I saw this on his Twitter feed. He's an NBA uh, journalist and author. What athlete in real life could win squid game? Who you got, Pat? And 
no spoilers because I'm only halfway through the Marvel episode. I got a lot left to watch. I got I got oh episodes my. left. Yeah, you all right, you gotta get on that because I probably would have spoiled it for you hundred percent. Blame Alex, you. it's not my fault. I've been I'm, trying right. to watch it. All right. Hey, you didn't you didn't cheat on her like with Ted Lasso. This exactly. isn't another situation. <laughs> uh so my thought with this was it, you know. It's kind of like Survivor. I love the show Survivor. It's like okay. you got to be assertive, but you also have to be really strategic. It's like you can't be a bully at the same time. And you can, you know, so those super competitive guys who are just oozing like, like your stories in practice. And so that's why a guy like Jimmy Butler, I think, is definitely out. So you need more of like a quieter superstar. For some reason, part of me thinks like Trey Young could be really good. I think Trey Young would be really smart. I think he's got high IQ. I think he would be a great squid game player. If I'm trying to think of other ones, just more quiet. I think Jalen Brown would be really good. Like more, that's, that's where mine goes. Yeah. So Trey Young, Jalen Brown, I think are my two picks. All right. And Pat, after I give my answer, you got to give me one non NBA player. Okay. Okay. It's another athlete. So I, for all the reasons that you said, I thought about Chris Paul. I was like, Chris Paul just knows all the rules, knows how to take advantage of the rules and is just so smart and cerebral. He could kind of manipulate people a little bit. I thought about Kawhi Leonard because I was like, <laughs> yeah, Kawhi is a robot <laughs> in a machine. And he would, he would just sit in the corner staring at everyone in the bunk late at night. Just like, like no one would try this man. Not like no one would try this man. And I think that he, you know, is smart enough to figure some of those games out. And then, you know, a little bit of a basic answer, but I thought about Brady, man. I thought about Tom. Cause yeah, I was like, I was like, Tom would just be so cool, calm, and collected, and he's so smart, just like the whole reasoning for Chris Paul. So, you know, I, I, I would go with those three guys. I thought of Chris Paul. I thought of Tom Brady, and I did Kawhi is just an absolute killer. He's he's a sleeper pick. <laughs> he is a sleeper pick. I know, and I would – I it's funny. I just – you were like, all right, pick someone outside the NBA, and then I immediately – my mind went to the NBA for some reason. I was going to say, like, Clay Thompson. I, I got to think about – Outside of the NBA, like who it's just that's where I see the most competitiveness. So I gotta see someone quiet in like the NFL. Brady like was a Brady Kamaru was one I was Usman. Yeah, Brady was like, one I was thinking about. Yeah, you could you could do a guy like Usman because they all have high cues, like high fighting IQs. Adesanya, Israel Adesanya would be good. Yeah. It's uh yeah, I think all right, I, I think you kind of picked for me. I think you, you at least <laughs> let you no, you at least led me there. It was good because I was really struggling because I was gonna say Brady and then you said Brady. And uh yeah, I I think you kind of picked for me. I would go Usman or Adesanya. Pat, unfortunately, you won't have an answer for this question, but my buddy John Munger puts up me versus John Chu, another friend in a fist fight. And unfortunately for John Chu, John Munger's got the size, he's got the reach. And quite, I mean, I'm sorry, Chu just wouldn't have a chance. So I got to, got to go with John Munger there. And I think, I think he knew the answer to that question before he asked it. <laughs> I'm sure he did. <laughs> well, we'll keep it moving from Vin. We'll keep it moving from Vinny. How much money would you need to take a body shot from half Thor, man? I mean, there was a video of him punching someone in the stomach, boxing glove on what, like, what is the dollar amount it would take Pat? For you to take a body shot from half door. I tell you, it's not even that high because like I can recover from a body shot, right? You know, it's not like I'm getting KO'd in the face. True. Like, I, I won't Fair. be able to breathe for a few minutes, which will suck. But that's easily, I mean, maybe like 10 grand. Mm. I like if he literally handed me 10 grand and said, Let me give you a body shot, I'd be like, all right, yeah, let's do it. 10 grand, why not? 
See, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, you know what? Worst comes to worst. It's like a terrible like hour and a half, you know, like of pain. Like I was like, what could the max be? It would hurt. It would kill. But I went a little bit higher. I was thinking like 30. I was thinking like 35. I was like, and I don't let's give me you. a nice down. I was like, let's give me a down payment and a, and a new car, like down payment on a car and a house, you know, like something like <laughs> yeah, something lucrative. <laughs> like, what can I do with yeah. this? <laughs> yeah. 10 grand. I'm like, oh, I really, you know, if we were negotiating, I mean, I'd certainly start higher, but that's like my bare minimum. That's, that's yeah. my bare minimum for taking that body shot. I think I think my bear would be twenty five because that's that's some damage, man. That's it, some damage. it is. It is. <laughs> You're talking about maybe a smashed kidney. <laughs> All right, let's round it out with a little animal matchup here: honey badger versus bald eagle. Pat, who we got in this in this matchup? The bald eagle's got the flight, so I might go bald eagle. I just huge. it's just a huge advantage with the wings, and it can take off. It's like it could swoop in, might barely get touched. It might get swatted by the honey badger, but. I don't know. The honey badger is going to have to leap into the air and take mm. the thing down. Cause otherwise it's like the Eagle could just, I think, I think the Eagle has an easy win here. Yeah. And Eagles are huge, man. Like that is a large bird of prey. Enormous. So I I'm going to go with the bald Eagle there. I think, you know, big sharp talons, if it could get a grab on that badger, all it's got to do is bring it up 25 feet and drop it, you know? So I'm rocking with the <laughs> bald Eagle. Yeah, if it's yeah. got the big enough talons, yeah. Just kill it from a height. There you go. Every every advantage leans bald eagle there, in my opinion. So, now, what if we're um, talking about Tyron Matthew? Are we going Tyron Matthew? It's like, dude, you know, Tyron could catch it. I might have to go with the flight still. I might have to go. With the <laughs> I do. I do love honey badger, though. That's for sure, man. All right. <laughs> Pat, we're going to get on to what we've learned. But real quick, as always, got to get a little add in for book thinkers. So if you read personal development books, please check out book thinkers. It's this company that's dedicated to helping you fulfill your life through books every single day on Instagram and every week on their podcast, the team over at Bookmakers, helping you discover new books and new mentors that you can use to achieve more and live better. The right book can absolutely change your life if you read it at the time. So please find out more by going over to Instagram and typing in Bookmakers or head over to their website, www.bookmakers.com. Now, Pat, tell me what you learned this week in the world of sports. And I've mentioned it or at least alluded to it a few times this episode as, as of you, but I, and as listeners, longtime listeners of the show, uh, I was wrong about the Dolphins. I was very wrong. Uh, and it's a big, big F you to the Patriots, too, because you know, I had the Patriots finishing third with the Jets fourth. And that was just not a good pick. The Dolphins finishing second by Buffalo because they're one and six now. Like we said, they're playing the Bills. They're one probably going to be one and seven. They might even be last in the division. And that's actually what I also think. So if the Jets actually use Flacco while Zach Wilson's out, instead of Mike White, Jets, Dolphins head-to-head. I don't know who wins that matchup. I think that's a lot closer of a game than we think. They meet later in November, later on in the year, and then they play again in December. So two two games in pretty quick succession. But, uh, yeah, the Dolphins might be the worst team in the AFC East now, not only not finishing second, but not even third. They might be last behind the Jets, depending how Flacco can do. So it's unbelievable. But that is that is what I've learned. And it's not even that Tua is the problem, which we also said. It's like, why are they looking at Deshaun Watson? You know, the whole thing with, with Tua. It's like the Dolphins have been waiting for a quarterback like this. He's he's good play. He gives them good play. And they're not I feel like a lot of people just aren't even giving aren't even giving him a fair chance. I feel like he deserves a lot more of a chance than this. 
at least let them finish the rest of the year. Cause the big problem, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but the big Go problem ahead. is their defense. Like their offense has been okay. Their defense just gives up so many points every game. It's like, what can you do? So, especially when they're, uh, I mean, they're just losing to the teams that they're losing to. It's like they just lost to the Falcons, which mm. if we laid out their schedule preseason, I would have said, yeah, that's definitely a win for them. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They're, the defense is the issue. And when you have guys like Xavier and Howard and some of the other people that they have on their defense, you didn't think that would be the problem, especially with Brian Flores coaching. It is. Yeah, it really is shocking, especially after last season. I think they won eight games to see what happened to these Dolphins and if you asked me four or five weeks ago, I would have said Jacoby Brissett gives you just as good of a chance to win a game as Tua. But after the last two weeks, it's very clear that Tua is not the problem. The dude's been balling six touchdowns, plenty of yards, couple interceptions, but you know that comes with the territory. And yeah, the Dolphins, man. I mean, shock, <laughs> shock of the league. Yeah, and Deshaun Watson's not the answer. I mean, you bring Deshaun no. Watson in for Tua, I don't think anything changes. I just, I really don't. Yeah, maybe you win one or two more games, but the it is not enough of not of enough of a difference to make a change, especially when you send out six draft picks or whatever it's gonna take. <laughs> now, Pat, what I learned this week, man, and this this comes out of a conversation that you and I had after the pod last week. We were yeah. sitting on here and we we took a little look at the Lions schedule, man, because they're 0-7 right now, playing <laughs> the Eagles. And I got to tell you, Pat, I think the Eagles are their best chance to win a game for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So let's take a little look at their schedule. And real quick, the teams they've lost to this year, 49ers, Green Bay, Baltimore, Chicago, Minnesota, Cincy, Los Angeles. They have had a tough schedule. They've Very played tough. some really good teams. But the thing is, it doesn't get easier. <laughs> They're playing the Eagles. But then they have Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Chicago, Minnesota, Denver, Arizona, Atlanta, Seattle, Green Bay. And that Seattle team is going to have Russell Wilson in week 17. But I got, Pat, if they don't beat Philly, they're not beating Pittsburgh. They're not, they're not beating Cleveland. They haven't beat Chicago. They lost to them. They already lost to Minnesota. They're going to lose to them again. I don't think they beat the Broncos. I don't think they beat Atlanta. They're not losing to Arizona or Green. I mean, they're not winning against Arizona or Green Bay. Mm-hmm. I think this Lions team may be the first team to ever have two winless seasons, and they'd be the only team to go 0 16 and 0 17. They'd be the only team ever to go 0 17. Yeah. And I think there's they're, a legit chance. <laughs> they're already one of two in 0 16. There's only two teams yeah. that have gone 0 16, and the Lions are one of them. <laughs> so, not too much company, which is not good for a stat like that. It's like usually it's like, oh, there's no company around me. It's like that means I'm setting records. It's like Brady with his 600th. And then on the, on the opposite side, on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have the Lions who might be 0 16 mm. and 0 17. Yeah, man, and I don't want to be clickbaity by saying this. I, I don't want to be like, oh, they could go on 16. But like, it's a legit thing. Yeah. Would you actually break it down and look at their schedule? If they don't beat Philly this week, and I like that you picked them to beat Philly because they've had so many close games. I mean, you lose to the 49ers by eight, Baltimore by two, Minnesota by two, Los Angeles by nine, and they should have lost by 30. They're like, ah, oh, man, if they go 0 and 17, that'd be crazy. Yeah. That, if that's, I, that's what I learned this week. If that's I'm a Lions fan, know. I'm just questioning who made my schedule that year. Cause that is brutal. <laughs> brutal. It is that <laughs> you're not wrong, man. That is a pretty tough schedule, but 
Pat, that's it, man. That's what we've learned. That's wrapping up episode 44. How, how are we feeling about this one? It was good, it was man. Good we, we got like I an- tell you what, we ran long, but there was a lot to talk about. A good amount. So hopefully you stuck around. Uh, yeah. if, if you did, we thank you a lot. We appreciate you listening. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, it's been a while since we did an hour and a half. I was, I was glad we can do it. It was a lot of fun, but that wraps up episode 44. Call it the Hank Aaron episode. Call it the Pete Maravich episode. <laughs> call it the, the Nor'easter but... episode if you live in Mass. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, New York. <laughs> that's true. It's still going on outside, man. But hey, that's episode 44. Thank you for listening. Thank you for any like, subscribe, comment, share, whatever you can do for us. We do appreciate it. We don't take your time for granted. We appreciate you listening. Hopefully you made it through that hour 35 with us or whatever it is. If you made it to this point, we appreciate you a little bit extra. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah, That's we'll episode see you 44. We'll see you guys next week. You are listening to Right Off the Bus.